Welcome back to class, students. This week, we are kind of in the middle of a restructuring and getting our video pipeline back up, but we are doing another round of student interviews. This week, I'll be talking to one of the hosts of the Anime Brothers podcast, Earthworm, as we dive in in this series to a lot of podcast hosts, enthusiasts, and fans alike and their origin stories to kind of really pick the brain, peel back the layers of weebs both new and veteran alike. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the student interview. the hosts of the Anime Brothers podcast, Earthworm. How are you doing, my dude? Fuck you, teacher. I don't need your stupid school. <laughs> my dad, my, my, my papa never had no schooling. How come, how, that was, how come I need schooling? That was real back of the class by the window protag energy in a school <laughs> scenario. So you're the one sitting back there just absolutely defying authority. Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> a Yankee, if you will. I'm a fucking... Whatever you oh, want to call I will. me. Oh, I will. Yeah, I'll call you that. I feel you. So how you doing, man? You, you were telling me off mic that you were playing the Pokemon TCG. Yeah, yeah. On, um, I, I'm, I'm into that, man, because like, I played it as a kid on Game Boy, and I was telling you, they just put that TCG Game Boy uh, edition on officially on Switch Online, and I played a little bit of it, and like the nostalgia quakes got me so good. It's like, too funny so that you mentioned mean. that. I was literally just yeah. with my partner going over the the options for the online emulators, and I'm like, "Oh shit, they got the they got Pokemon TCG on there. That's pretty cool." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and Switch knew, uh, Nintendo knew that like people would eat it up, and I don't know if they did it because they were hurting on the Switch online or they just wanted to give us more goods. But I feel like they drop like Pokemon games of yore to like keep people interested in the Switch online experience. Because they remember if they 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 launched the Switch Online experience and then they drop both Pokemon stadiums later just That's, to keep people interested. So I haven't subscribed to the N64 and then I'm looking through and I'm like, oh, gotcha. shit, they, they got the uh, <laughs> they got the Pokemon stadiums, do they? <laughs> well, oh, yes, they do. That might oh, be yes, worth they an do. extra thirty dollars a year. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it's 30 bucks a year for the privilege to play Pokemon Stadium one and two. Yeah. <laughs> what are you gonna do all the mini games that's really what i'm in for like battle's cool like whatever but i want the mini games the scyther and the the pincer wood chopping yes. one that's where it's at dude bro. that's the mini games is where nintendo was always thrived they knew it the moment they made mario party one they knew they were good at mini games yeah yeah that's but just how the, it is yeah no i uh i play pokemon tcg i uh for a while it kind of took over my life and my wallet and it was bad but now I'm just kind of a casual online player. When I got a few minutes to kill, I uh, I just pop it on. And you were like, hey, I'm going to be a few minutes. I was like, well, <laughs> I can't think well, of a better time. It's time to fucking duel, dude. So, <laughs> I mean, the the idea of TCG on the PC port, is it does it use the full encyclopedia of like all of the Pokemon cards that are currently in circulation? Or are we talking that you're you're doing the TCG where it's like, 
the raw early stuff like the team rocket no the team, this, this is the, all up this is all updated they're playing oh. with the, the what's in rotation um you got the full meta you got the full meta yeah oh yeah it's the meta's bad dude it's it's so rough because like you get into something and you're like i want to be fun and i want to be creative and then you realize that there are at least mm, ten thousand people who are better than you like will always be better than you who are always. smarter and have already come up with the perfect decks and then you're sitting there like well well i want to use my favorite pokemans and then you have like it's <laughs> you know that meme where the big pink guy like pulls the guy back and it's like no no it's yes, like the meta yeah, it, that's the meta pulling you in you're forced to construct a deck that's at least competitive but you're gonna have to use pokemon from gen 27 or some shit where you're just like, that's not my favorite Pokemans. What the hell? I, I, that's I will, not what I wanted. I will give it up to them. They they know their audience. And um, like Charizard is a Pokemon that comes out at least once a rotation. You have a Charizard. Always. He might not be good. Yeah. He might not be competitively viable. But then you got the collectors that go out and don't play the game. They don't even really realize that there's a game behind the cards. And they'll pay right, top dollar right. for that Charizard stuff. So Gen 1ers out there definitely get catered to because i think pokemon understands hey those motherfuckers have the the, the disposable income those are the guys if who are going to spend the money yep and if there's nothing else charizard is evergreen no matter the set i think their latest set is obsidian fire or obsidian flame with the whole terra set and they have a charizard in that set too because they know that these motherfuckers out here with the absolute nerd bankroll is gonna buy the charizard they're oh, gonna yeah. buy it it's oh, just yeah. how it's going to be. Always. I give, it, I give it up to him, though. At least this Charizard is like competitively viable. Like he's usable. Every other Charizard for since I've been playing for at least a year has just been like, hey, he's pretty, ain't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, right. So so you're saying these new Charizard additions are at least uh, they play into the meta and yeah. they're actually like they, they, they are good in a deck. So yeah. they're actual viable they're, weapons. They're just That's good. Yeah, That's they're good. simply good yeah. cards is when every other Charizard's like takes a shit ton of energy to use. You have to discard it. Does a bunch of damage. But like it, it Pokemon is really all about fast play. The quicker you can get your your board set up, the quicker you can get energy onto your Pokemon to attack, the quicker, the, the better. So even if one guy can like top higher, if he can hit for a higher damage, you, you still want to go for for the deck that can be powered up by turn two and just start smacking shit we should just make this a tcg podcast scenario <laughs> like you can give you can give the raw goods you you already have thought like uh uh threw down more of uh strategy than i've ever employed i'm very much a uh, i'm gonna use my pokemans and just hope for the fucking best hey Ricky, if, you ever want, best. if you ever want the 101 on, on tcg you let me know but i'm gonna need uh i'm gonna take your advice and like i'm gonna i'm gonna need you for some like video editing help and stuff you gotta teach me how to internet because i really don't know shit dude you know what tit for tat on that and i have to i have to overcome my nostalgic ways to be able to be viable in the modern era that's how it has to be but i need your help to do so that's the whole that's the whole play so, the, so stu the student becomes the sensei. All right, here we go. The student becomes the sensei. Love but it. speaking of nostalgia, my guy, today we are here to talk about the student interview series. One of the things I've been doing lately, and maybe this will get cut out, maybe this won't because I don't know what order we're going to put all of these interviews in, but I like to understand 
the origins of some of the most veteran individuals in the space, the ones that are both fans of people who talk about the stuff on mic or the ones who talk about it on mic themselves. So I had posited the questions to you already, Earthworm, but not all the questions have been posited to you. But we're going to start off with the main question, the one that everybody gets about their anime origins. When was the first time that you watched anime, but did you really know you were watching anime at the time of your first viewing? All right. Um, time to give generic answer B. Um, <laughs> so the first time I can genuinely remember, there are two vivid memories from when i was just a wee lad in okay one of my we got two one of my first houses and it's pokemon obviously uh and it's, it's always the, it, it, you're not you you're not like being generic with that i think that is so ubiquitous for a lot of people it just really is at least from a western audience perspective right it's a much better word to use um but i remember the specific episode it was the episode oh. where they were on the boat the ss and i believe <gasps> Yes, yeah. dude, I remember that episode. So we got James buying the magic carp, all that fun <laughs> yeah. stuff, and then the boat yeah. like starts to sink and you got all that drama and it's very intense and I was like I was hooked from the start. I'm like cute little animals uh being like saviors and and helping teenagers. Like that's that's what I'm here for as a my, I must have been 5 years old at the most, 4 or 5. I like that. Yeah. So you were really young when you got your first exposure. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. I was. Okay. I came okay. right up when that when anime was starting to get thrown in the lineup with like Thundercats and all the oh, our cartoons okay. our parents grew up on that were getting right, free right. like Toonami. So safe to say you didn't quite understand that Pokemon was anime at the time. You just maybe understood it was different or it hooked you in a different way. In, in that capacity, because yeah. there's no way you could have understood it was anime at five years old. No, I don't How could think you? I definitely didn't understand it was anime. But I think that was kind of kind of the beauty of the Toonami block. Um, and and yes. when not because Pokemon, I don't think was actually on Toonami, but similar TV blocks where they were going for. I don't know. It felt like kids media was finally coming around to the counterculture of the the 90s. You know, we had video for games. Sure. We had Sonic the Hedgehog. We had all, you know, the Simpsons for adults. But it took a while before it was like, all right, let's start showing the kids like the badass uh, karate shows. Like that's that's what they're ready right, for. Right. Scooby-Doo's old news. We're ready to see a monkey boy kick somebody in the face. All right. Fucking ready? A, dude. And I find that a lot of people who are are broached to the subject of anime with Pokemon. They what I've what I've heard and after doing a couple of these now that the tangential like through line is that this other show looks like Pokemon, therefore there must be something different about it. Again, not an understanding that there's anime like it's it's by classification anime, but they do like, oh that looks like that Pokemon show that I like. So they'll watch like a Cyborg 009 or they'll watch a Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. Or they'll watch something like different because it's like that looks like that other show that looks different than all of my Scooby Doo's and all my speed racers and all my wacky races. Like it looks different than that. But oh, yeah, yeah, it, it does like, look like my Pokemon. So there's my through line. And so this, I think that's part of it for a lot of people. They don't know it's anime, but they know it's different. Exactly. And I'm, I'm into that. And like it doesn't really this doesn't really speak to Pokemon so much. But for Dragon Ball Z, which was my other like early memory and i can't really remember which one comes first but it was it was ape 
Vegeta squeezing the shit out of Goku. And yes. Again, <laughs> another unbelievably intense moment where I'm like, damn, this is serious. Uh, but prior to being into Dragon Ball Z, I believe I, I know I was into Power Rangers as a kid. And I think that came around before I, I discovered Dragon Ball Z. So that gave me a wicked, like a wicked base for being ready for more like Kung Fu action, wacky action anime. So that gave you that gave you the through line for a more action packed like experience than typical cartoons in a Western medium would have given you anyway. Right? I think so. So when I saw Dragon yeah. Ball Z, I was like, oh, this is like a cartoon, but it's also like Power Rangers. This is really cool. Yeah. And I think Power Rangers is quite an interesting drop here because it being of the Sentai kind of genre, it really did harken back to early Japanese television for young boys, not necessarily in an anime format, but it was definitely built for that audience in that region of the world. So Power Rangers making its way. I remember the days where like it felt like the poses, the transformations and Power Rangers. I made that mental connection when I started watching Sailor Moon. I'm like, this feels a little bit like Power Rangers, frankly. Hell yeah. Right? We had a squad of chicks who all had their own flavor, their own planet, and they all had their transformations, and they all had their specific powers, and they worked as a squad. I'm like, this feels like motherfucking Power Rangers. I'm and so I think jealous. That's because, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. I'm so jealous you know? of you for, for being able to watch Sailor Moon, because I don't know if it was a product of my time or the kids I was hanging out with, but I was an unbelievably sexist six-year-old, Ricky. Like I, it's naughty. I don't know where the fuck it came from. Like I had a, a, I had my best friend at the time. We used to like load up WWE on the N sixty four. He would play Kane. I would play Undertaker, and we would beat up on Let's women. Go. Like we would just beat the shit, shit out of the women wrestlers. And there, you know, I we, we you know used, what we hated the pink and yellow. Like we hated those Power Rangers. We we were like boy Power Rangers all the way. Stupid girl Power Rangers. So I guess. Man. I wasn't allowed I to myself to watch Sailor Moon. I was like, that's just stupid girl Dragon Ball Z. And so I wish so bad that I could have watched it. But yeah. Let me hit me. you. Let me hit you with why I did watch Sailor Moon. Because one, I feel you, my guy. I feel you. That's the little rascals, He-Man, Woman Hater Club vibe that like a lot of young boys are just like, ew, girls got cooties. Fuck it. Like, I I'm done with it. I'm not going to deal with it. But when uh, I, <laughs> I played piano. For 20 years. No and shit. 13 That's of, awesome. Yeah. Thir 13 of those were with like actual teachers and stuff. The longest run I had with a given teacher was like seven years. And his, da uh, his daughter would watch Sailor Moon in the basement of their house. And my mom had to drop me off a little early every day, like a half hour early. And because just of our schedule so i would go downstairs and i'd see her watching that i'd be like hey can i watch this with you while i'm just like chilling and she's like sure i think she must have been like 17 at the time and i was like 10 but i was watching every every piano class once a week i would watch an episode or two of sailor moon and i was like this shit rips man this shit is so good you have the masked guy you had like an entire arcs of stuff this was a completely new entry into what cartoons could be because it had longevity it had arcs it had character development and i didn't know at the time and i didn't have the words at the time to like actually articulate why it was good i just knew it was different so 
every time I would go to a piano lesson, I would sit and watch maybe an episode or two of Sailor Moon with his daughter. So I, to your point, I didn't actually seek Sailor Moon out because I very much was a young boy and was very about the Dragon Ball Z and very about like the, you know, the more actiony shows. But like I got my Sailor Moon fix by happenstance. That's just awesome. by situation. No, right? That's fucking great. So I, I hear you on that. I would probably would not have gotten that if it were not for that very particular situation. But I, I, I think it's for boys growing up in that time getting used to Dragon Ball and getting used to Pokemon, I understand why it wouldn't fit. It just wouldn't fit in, into our curriculum, into our diet, so yeah. to speak. You know? Yeah, and yeah. You know, you it just it, wouldn't fit. If the boys at school hear you watch Sailor Moon, that could potentially Ew. open you up for, yeah, you're, you, what are you, some stupid girl? And it's like, oh, no, man, I just think Sailor Moon's cool and that you're ridiculed. What person would open themselves up to that kind of liability? <laughs> what fourth grade year old boy would open themselves up to that kind of liability? Nobody will trade Pokemon cards with me anymore because I watch Sailor Moon. Exactly. My Yu-Gi-Oh decks would stay dry if I wasn't watching Dragon Ball or <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh, right? I had right. to be watching the goods so they knew that my trading ability was tight, man. Uh, how else am I going to truly know. understand the heart of the cards? Exactly. Not, not with Sailor Moon. I had to watch Yugi vs. Pegasus. That's how it had to be. <laughs> how it has to go. But yeah, so, so uh, I guess a follow-up to that question. When was the first time that you actively knew that you were watching anime? Where someone had told you this is anime and therefore you were watching it? Okay, um, I want to say probably in high school, um, definitely in high school. And I think that tracks that tracks. So our high school was pretty, uh, pretty cool, all things considered. And then like by that, I mean, we had a lot of different programs, a lot of different after school clubs, and we had an anime club. So that was neat. You had you had an anime club in high school in yeah. what? 2000 in the aughts, like into the 11s. Like, yeah, I think it started wow. in like the early 2000. I want to say it started at my high school right around 2005, um, probably a, with that, Death Note. I think after Death Note came out, everybody was like, we need to talk about this. <laughs> that's a rarity, my guy. I got to be honest. Like, I don't think like I, I, my my schooling background probably precluded us from ever having something like that. But. And maybe I ju it's just that I don't know. But for you to have an anime club in the early aughts is uh, that's groundbreaking. Yeah, that's a groundbreaking thing. Yeah, yeah wicked cool. Um, and I had a girlfriend in high school who was of the alternative variety, which was a very new thing for me. I was, you know, when I came into high school, I was kind of uh, I don't know. I didn't get the whole like emo goth uh, punk, any of that. I was like, what the fuck? I'm, I'm not into oh, it. that was me. That was me, buddy. I was I was emo punk for sure. Oh. Ricky, Definitely coming in, yeah, coming me. into high school for sure. Yeah, uh, once I, I know you and I, you and I vibe on this. I know you. Yeah, do. <laughs> yeah. She changed my life, bro. Like I started yep, listening yep. to like the music. I listened to everything. Like she was detrimental to my mental health, but at the same time, <laughs> I thank her every day because she made me kind of cool. So like, fuck okay, it. complete. Before we keep going, just a complete side question: favorite hard rock slash punk band from that era of your life. Oh, uh, so at the time it was at that time I had yeah. a top three. I had a top three, and the top give two me the top. Give, give me the top three. All right. Yeah. So it went. Um, Escape the fate was my number one mm. for a long time. Escape the fate, and then I don't know. Let's I hope, go, Ricky. I hope you know these. This next band because it makes it all the more funny and embarrassing. Black Veil Brides number two. 
Holy shit. Yeah. I haven't heard that in yeah. so long. Oh, dude. Wow. Yeah. I haven't thought about them in a hot minute. I just peaked my mic for that one. Me too. Wow. <laughs> dude, I know. It's... I haven't listened to them since like 2000, honestly, like 12. Yeah, it's been. Like, I, I haven't touched it in 10 years. I think I went on a nostalgia trip and checked out a couple songs maybe, maybe like five years ago. And I was like, hmm, what the fuck was I on? But either way. And then number three was the Bring Me the Horizon. Which after those Bring me the first two, fantastic, fairly respectable pick. A f- uh, two friends of mine that I went to college with just saw them made a parade and My Chemical Romance in concert. Oh and shit! I got a buddy am, who's big My Chem guy. He just I think he got to see him was not a, too long ago. I was a big MCR dude. I think MCR was my shit. And then like later high school was very blank. It went into like a true punk phase. Like I I moved away a bit from like. Uh, Mayday Parade, and I went into more of like uh, you know, some forty one, kind of a Blink one eighty two phase. Uh, Blink one eighty two um, is one of my favorite bands of all time. Can I can obviously I, real quick? What well, one more aside, and then we can do whatever you need to do. I'm hit still it, mad it, nobody got me a cake for my twenty third birthday that said nobody likes you. No! I'm still pissed. That's I don't hold no. grudges like that. You know, it's whatever. I to the day I die, I'm gonna be fucking fumed about that one. <laughs> I definitely got I got a card that says no one likes you. T- I would have taken uh, it. I have a 23rd, 23rd. Yeah. That, yeah. Like it was definitely that was definitely the birthday that I got a couple of those. But yeah, I I I hear that. That was that yeah, it was your time of that life and an anime club came along with it. So you had been you did you join this anime club and then maybe got a little bit of stuff or did you just like it was tangentially involved yourself kind of tangentially involved so my my aforementioned partner was into anime uh not like super super weeb but you know a passing in interest like the ghibli movies was interested Mm -hmm. enough so we'd stop by every now and then and check out and i believe um one of these it was one of these two but it was either howl's moving castle which was fucking fantastic um, always a classic always yeah a classic. or or soul eater uh we the, so i think we watched like Woo! the first two or three episodes of soul eater which i was like oh shit this is pretty cool interesting that yeah. you got soul eater and i guess at the time if i don't know if you finished it at the time but i don't know if you understood how bad that ending was at the time uh, i ended up finishing it a few <laughs> years later after high school and no i didn't quite understand how bad you the didn't quite was. get how bad that ending was given that there was like seven chapters that they never adapted and just dropped yeah after no. the kishin final battle i was just like <laughs> how dare you dude like man I-, I will die in the hill that there is some anime that need to be remade fma was one but they did it well soul eater needs a remake it yeah. needs a remake or I'll just at least petition. an ending rewrite yeah i'll sign that petition absolutely sure but yeah I so mean, would I, you say i i guess soul eater was the one i guess yeah technically? kind of i mean i'd say that's definitely the first time i knew i was for sure watching anime because up until then like there was still that vague debate of whether or not dragon ball z was in anime just because it was so popular it was almost whoa, like whoa 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 yeah exactly. in, what, in what world did you experience that debate i it, mean like it I, just i've I, never even heard of that debate that's so, all I don't know. I, and that's the thing. That's how like ignorant I was to what anime truly was. I didn't realize that anime was just animation coming out of Japan. I thought it was I, didn't, I, th- I guess I thought it was more of a genre or me and the people having like these discussions thought it was more of like a genre or perhaps Dragon Ball Z wasn't Japanese enough because we had always seen it from an American lens and didn't quite realize that's that so it funny. had an entire Japanese voice cast. Everything. I mean, I remember talking to 
a friend who was older than me, and I figured he would understand, but we were talking about how good the writers were on Yu Yu Hakusho, not realizing it was adapted not realizing from a it was manga. one guy. Yeah, one guy, yeah, manga. It was one dude made this entire world, and then he one-upped himself with Hunter x Hunter the next time. I, well, it, what, a fu- what a wild <laughs> revelation. <laughs> yeah, we thought it was like a team of dudes, like they were writing fucking Mad Men or something. Nope, it's just one guy writing absolute fire on panels. Obviously. Oh yeah. We know now. We're 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 seasoned boys now. We're seasoned. Yeah. Um there's a lot of ignorance coming from me about what was like what was considered anime and what was just not, you know? I think that was part of my vibe is that it was just like it, it's one of those things that you at least in my high school and early college career of getting into anime, I it's like you know anime when you're looking at it you couldn't hard define it until i had (laughs) the acuity and the experience later in my life to like identify to the point where we have a series on this show called does it anime Mm -hmm. where there are things that don't quite like fit into that bubble by definition but we just did one on the uh my adventures of superman which is airing on max right now and we labeled it as anime wb finally jumped the shark I think personally into anime because this new show has borrowed just enough, just enough where I think that shows that by definition that aren't anime can be that it very much can. And we've seen it all up and down. We saw Avatar, the last airbender. Yeah. Shit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. It was, and it was animated by a Korean studio. So we knew it already is going to be good, but like, by 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 purest of definition it couldn't be anime so it's funny that you back in your history you were having debates on whether dragon ball z was even anime or not (laughs) it is fucking wild to think back about you know because i'd be as a kid i had had picked up a couple volumes of the dragon ball z manga like i had read the fucking manga for like a train ride or something so you're Uh, already reading the source material yeah i was a manga reader (laughs) And, I and you're like, hmm, I don't know if this is quite it or not. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love it. So that does jump into the next question. It sounds like you do have a leaning now nowadays. So what would you say is your favorite genre of anime full stop? And which show was the first to really lock you in to the love of that genre? Uh, so so it's, if it's Shonen, what, what was the first one? If it's Isekai, what was the first one? But what is your favorite genre right now? And what was the first show to get you into that genre to so get you locked in? I'm going to sound like such a pretentious asshole right here, but I'm going to go you for it do, anyway. Man. I don't like do have a favorite genre. There's there's very few. Okay. There's All a, right. Uh, yeah, All exactly. Right. <laughs> okay, I, I, like, I just like good anime, dude. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it's hard because I, I do generally enjoy shonen stories so i guess if i yeah, had to, yeah. to pick one i would probably go like battle shonen because they're fun you know they have a little bit of everything uh at least the good ones do you know they have the action and all that stuff but a good one will have fun characters a little bit of romance this that and the other yeah and the good ones will at least lock you like the good ones in my opinion and now uh, at this stage in our uh, professorship is the battles themselves drive the narrative right we see it with uh Todoroki versus uh Midoriya right in My Hero Academia that's one of the best narrative driven you have one guy trying to prove it to his family the other guy trying to prove it to his faith that he's been given 
and these battles, you know, Vegeta versus Goku in the Saiyan arc, like another great example of great narrative driven battle anime battle scenes. Yeah. So it's it's not that it, it, you know, a lot of people will say, like, you know, Shonen's kind of like wrinkleless, whatever. I think the best ones can at least tell a good story through the battles they tell. So you're not too far off, which what I, what I think is a based opinion, honestly. Yeah. So. Yeah. But if like even that being said there's i can't get into all shonens like my hero academia is probably one of the best genre exercises in shonen and i'm just not that into it for whatever reason uh but a genre that i could say that i could probably at least get some enjoyment out of just about every show is honestly rom-coms okay I, I can we got a rom-com on. boy over here it's i'm re- into it it's I'm really getting hard. into rom-coms. Like, I'm getting into rom-coms lately, so I feel you. I've yeah. heard. Yeah, but, so uh, I'm getting. Yeah, I get it. It's like Kaguya, um, My Senpai is Annoying. Like, that show... My I, Senpai is Annoying fucking slaps, dude. And it's it's like, so good. It's so good, and it's funny, because, like, the Shonen... I will I will think about the Shonen. I will think about the Hunter Hunter, the Yu Yu Hakusho, um, even parts of Naruto. I've only really experienced the first chunk, but even parts of that I'll think back on and be like, damn, badass, love it. I don't necessarily do that with something like My Senpai is Annoying, but I can put on a show of that genre, of that caliber, and enjoy every episode and not have to worry about the, oh, this is getting too long. It's it's very hard to turn me off of just a simple rom-com. You know, I love the stupid little interactions, all the blushing, all the, oh my god, they almost held hands. I eat that shit up for breakfast, man. Okay, so you're saying your bar of entry of locking in for rom-com is probably lower than most other genres, right? You require less to get you jumped into a rom-com show than maybe a battle shonen. Yes, and I have a a higher bar for shonen because I've watched a lot. I've seen the best, at least in my opinion, the best that the, the genre has to offer. So you need to be doing either at least one thing better than all the other shows and that's why i've been praising demon slayer recently because hey they might not be doing everything but that is concentrated battle shonen kick assness injected straight into my veins and if that's what they're gonna give me then that's what i'm here for like they're doing that like high octane syrup right into the iv literally for you literally and it's like it's funny It's funny you, yeah, it's funny you say that because we keep talking about how we, you know, we're, we're shonen schmucks at the end of the day here in the lab and we, uh, maybe we'll give some weird scores to shonen at this point, but it's exactly to what you just said, because when you have a, when you have a genre that's been so iterated on over and over and over again, when you have this many iterations you have more examples to draw from from the past. So you have a lot more. What are they subverting? You can get more granular with your evaluation of those shows. What are they subverting? What are they refining? What are they doing better than literally the cavalcade, the cornucopia of the past examples um, with rom-com? And I, I would argue for me right now with sports anime, too. I haven't seen a lot of the classics of those, so I am a bit ignorant, a little bit ignorant to the ideas that the forefathers, the giants of those uh, of those genres have laid down. So maybe it's just fresher to me as a viewer. Right. But to your point, you're not fresh to Shonen. 
neither am I. We're both seasoned boys in the genre of shonen, so we expect a little more out of our new shonen entries. That might be part of it, right? I think so. I think that's a big part of it for me specifically. It's like again, if you're gonna just give me, um, like if you're just gonna give me Naruto with a different skin, then it's like okay. If you're just gonna give me fucking Bleach with a different skin, I haven't watched Bleach, but just bear <laughs> with me there. Dragon Ball Z no, with a different skin. You. It's like okay, I don't. I don't need to be here unless, of course, like like I said, you're doing something. At least you just got to do something well and do something not even necessarily different. Just like uh, Black Clover, for example, it's pretty much fucking Naruto. I mean, let's let's yep. be honest. Same bones. It's basically Naruto. You got the demon living inside. You have the special boy who yep. is Asta. You have the privileged boy, which is Sasuke. Sorry, let's say Sasuke. I meant you know. <laughs> and you, you feel me, right? Like oh, all yeah. the you you said it yourself. I'm there. All the beats are there. Yeah, you're there. But again. That doesn't make Black Clover because of its rehashing of a lot of these ideas any less enjoyable. No. You just have to keep the things that are already there crisp to a T and anything different. You got to make sure you really highlight that. I like the idea of the devils coming from a different plane and having their own uh, like their own agenda. Whereas like the tail beasts in Naruto, they didn't have an agenda. They're just these they just masses kind of, of right. They're these masses of chakra that are just like housed in human bodies trying to be kept dormant so they don't just ravish an entire continent so like there there are ways that these things can differ but as long as the stuff you do uh, the same are crisp and Mm -hmm. to a t which i think black clover does in a lot of ways you're good here we're good showing people showing schmucks get a get a bad rap because they're like oh they're they're wrinkleless they're like not really thinking no no we are we we just seen it all before. So like the things we've seen before need to be crisp and the things we haven't need to make themselves stand apart from what we already have seen. That's all we need. We don't need much. We're simple lads. Sure. But we are evaluating these things with, you know, a keen eye because we've seen it all before. Yeah. So I hear you. I hear you. I don't know. I, I think the rom-com idea is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's that's just kind of, you know, I, I won't say it's hard for me to say rom-coms like my favorite genre because it's they, it like you, we were talking earlier. It doesn't hit those peaks very often. And usually when it does, it has something else. Fruits Basket, for example, not a rom-com yeah, yeah, yeah. has romance, has comedy, but also has deep seated family trauma and drama and all that stuff, which you can really sink your teeth into. Um, and does a really good job at not shying away from some of the the harshness of oh, yeah. what those traumas can bring. I think that's something that rom-com as a genre can really do well is that it can get to the heart of a very human relatable uh character set. Like the ideas of these characters going through stuff. I think a lot of people can relate to a lot of this stuff. So I I think the question being what was the first rom-com that really locked you in that like you know what rom-coms probably for me. It was probably Kaguya. the first show. I think it was Kaguya was the one. Yeah, I think so. Not and a- that's that makes sense. It's literally a, it's it's a shonen show. It's in a shonen magazine. It's made for for dudes, you know what I mean? It's got a battle vibe to it because of the mind games that our main characters play, right? Oh yeah, that's what hooked me and then I as the show progresses, I'm less interested in the mind game battle and I'm more interested in Kaguya getting blushy and wanting to confess to Miyuki. It's like, okay, so you, they flipped me. You know, they took a shonen boy who was like, I want death note, got but me. with girl. And now I'm like, I want girl to be with boy and kiss. 
<laughs> and now kiss. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that. So, uh, you know, rom-com is kind of the genre that you are, that excites you now. But I think any anime fan uh, has gone through a time of drought where that just nothing excites them. Has there been a period since you started watching anime where you experienced that anime drought where you just didn't watch stuff for a while? And was there a show that pulled you back in? Like <laughs> one that got you back into the space? Going through the anime drought right now, dude. I've been doing it for like two years. Are you right now? <laughs> I mean, it, yes and no. Like I watched stuff for the show, obviously, but what I've been watching. So I'll, I'll talk about my actual anime drought and then I'll bitch about podcast stuff. Um, I got you. I know because that's that's one of the questions I had for you because you and I are both hosts. So I, I do have a couple specific questions about okay. that generic ex- that general experience. So right, I'll save I'll save that then. So original yeah, anime drought was um, I'd say there's really two big ones. There's when you kind of grow out of Dragon Ball Z and, you know, you, you everybody I don't think it's a, as big a thing now but it plays into us being kind of socialized to be girls are stinky and have cuties cooties we were also socialized to be like you can't like cartoons after you're a certain age you know so fascinating i've never heard someone put it in the lens of like growing out of x show i've had people say like oh after high school i got into a drought or oh in college i had a drought but like i've never heard it put in the phrase of like growing out of a show but weirdly i feel you on that for me it was social yeah it was social pressure i remember being okay okay i I distinctly remember being 12 playing pokemon sapphire and thinking like nobody can (laughs) ever know nobody can ever know i'm playing pokemon sapphire because i'm 12 years old and not a kid anymore and i think about girls now and pokemon and girls don't mix they do well they do now they do now and i love they the do fact now. that you can be a fucking nerd and be a full-blown adult and that's okay but there was what a, a time to be fucking alive my it's guy great what a time to be alive. We, we don't have this podcast if we come up in like the 90s or we're seen as right. like oh this you doesn't must, exist you <laughs> must look like comic book guy from the simpsons and it's like i've seen ricky he don't look like he ricky looks good all right not that comic book <gasps> guy ain't the worst but Ricky's he's fine, all right? I'm saying You can't right see here. me blushing right now. God damn. All right, I feel you. Oh yeah, keep keep it up with the with the compliments. That's oh. that'll bring you back on. No big deal. <laughs> so, yeah, there was that original anime drought right around middle school where you start to try to get, you know, you try to be cooler or whatever. And then I right, kind of dabbled right. in it in high school cuz I found out, you know, the anime club, it's like, "Oh, people in high school are openly admitting to liking this." There's right. a, there's a squad of people that will be down for this shit that's a again i'm shocked that you had that like that is a wild concept to me because in my high school hell fucking no do you say that you watched anime hell no absolutely not yeah dude and i mean to make no mistake it was definitely a uh a club for outcast you know the the people who were kind of ridiculed by other, how it always goes other yeah. people would would grow you know congregate there so i'm sure there was a little bit of the same thing going on i guess somebody just decided fuck it we're gonna have a club about it Um, right right so uh you know we see uh in high school i you know see soul eater with the anime club and stuff uh but that i mean i consider it an anime drought because i watch very very few shows i'd say from the time i was 14 to up until I was 24, so a good 10-year gap. I, Holy I had watched, shit, that's a gap. Yeah, so I had watched 
uh, Soul Eater. I had completed that. I had watched Yu Yu Hakusho a couple of times because that was just, I don't know. Yu Yu Hakusho has always been something that I thought was like really cool, even though I never really delved into other anime. So there right, was that 10 right. years before I rewatched Yu Yu Hakusho with my partner because we had gotten together recently and I was like, I want to show you stuff that I like. So Yu Yu Hakusho, yeah. I yeah. showed her Dragon Ball Z and rewatched that for the first time since I was a kid. And then it was Berserk that really got me back into anime. That's what got what me to fascinating. Subscribe. What a fascinating... The 2016 yes, Berserk got you back in? Yeah, so... Yeah, uh, it was actually. Are you familiar with the YouTube channel Death Battle? Yes, yes, okay. I'm. I'm aware of Death Battle. Yeah. So it was a death battle featuring guts and uh, whatever I was, 24 or something. Me and me and JD watched it, and I was like, man, that guy went through some shit. I'd like yeah, to right, see right. that. Like that's that's a wild story, and I'd like to get my hands on that. So I find Crunchyroll. It's like this has anime. Oh, cool. Does it have Berserk? Perfect. It does have Berserk. I hey. watched Berserk to get rid of those stupid fucking Arby's ads. I was like, fine, you can have $7.99 <laughs> a month. That's fine. I don't care. Um, and yeah, so I watched all two seasons of Berserk, thought it was really good. I watched a few more anime and then went, oh, I can never tell anybody. I thought that was good. Right, right. This has to be just for me. Like <laughs> nobody yeah. else. No, but yeah, it, it, I, now I know better. I feel that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that it's God, that's so funny that Berserk was the one that did it for you. And yep. and, and to like the manga is literally a masterclass in paneling, but it's so sad that it hasn't gotten what I would argue should be like I need bones or madhouse to like pick up the entire something, set. dude. Somebody's and gotta the, do this boy, right? Because like the, it would be, I think Berserk would be like the next attack on titan in terms of like i don't know social penetration for lack of a better term yeah I because like yeah yeah like attack on titan it permeated through to a lot of non-anime fans to the point where like i'm pretty sure it and my hero academia them by themselves created an entire generation of anime fans that are unabashed in being anime fans i think berserk could be that in a 2023 landscape it could be that for another generation if it were given the love and care that like mappa gave attack on titan and bones gave to my hero academia i'm not necessarily saying that i know it's had other iterations like the there is an aughts version and the one in the 90s the 97 version people seem to like and i've seen the movies that came out in the aughts okay those were fine the cgi was really bad but i think it did a fair job of telling the golden age arc so at least it told you think it told at least the story well enough that like if people gave it i've seen it I, i watched it myself and i i at the time I was so CGI adverse that like sure. it burned my eye. It burned it's my retinas bad. out. It's really bad, yeah, man. Um, man but I, like, what they did right, uh, I think they did really well. Like the eclipse in the movies, I thought was extremely powerful visually. It was great. Uh, but then, yeah, you get the background fighters, and it's it's a guy yep. made out of clay. Get used to it. It's a guy made out of clay. <laughs> so on point. So yeah, uh, some of the questions that I had for you specifically that were not in the list that I'd given you prior. Do you feel as a podcast host of an anime podcast, do you ever feel like watching anime becomes a chore? 
And how do you offset that feeling that, you know, we, we what we do is release content revolved around anime, discussing and reviewing anime of all sorts. And I have had this conversation with Ethan in the past where sometimes it can start to feel like anime becomes a job a little bit. Do you feel the same way? And if so, how do you offset that in any way to keep this genre interesting and outside of the realm of obligation? You know, so I will say that me and JD do a pretty good job of not really we don't try to force ourselves to do something that we're just going to absolutely hate, uh, which we tends to be us lacking on seasonal coverage. We maybe get to three or four shows a season, and that's if if our listeners are lucky. So right. I, we try to do it that way. For me, and I, after seeing a bunch of ADHD memes, I'm starting to soft-diagnose myself with ADHD, but for me, <laughs> they all that's relate. Kinda, that's probably part of it, yeah. They all relate, Ricky. It's getting bad, man. Um, <laughs> it's, all, it's all coming together. For me, it's like when I have to do something, it becomes harder for me to actually do. Um, yeah, and yeah I get that. I think a little bit of it has to do with the fact that it's, I mean, sometimes I just want to watch a show and enjoy it and not really think too much about it. Like, I love criticizing media. Obviously, I have a podcast. Critically thinking about anime is great. That's why I love Evangelion and and big heady shit like that. Yeah, some, it's one of my favorite things to do of all time. Exactly. Is to, is to break that shit down. But there that, are that makes me happy. Yes. Sometimes you just want to watch it and you just want to say, yes, that was yeah. good and not think two fucking things about it. But there becomes that pressure of, am I watching something and not getting the most out of my time because we could be reviewing this for the podcast? Uh, and that kind that of is a, that that's fascinating because like lately, uh, you know, I had that exact moment where we we had an episode a couple weeks ago from the time of this recording where we talked about the first half of Baki Hanma season two. And it was, uh, the, it was just the first half. And we wanted to, we love Baki. We're big Baki stands over here in the lab. But the second half of that season dropped not even three weeks later. And I had a moment that froze me where do I watch this for fun now? Or do I watch it five weeks from now so we can review like you get what I'm saying? Like oh, yeah. it almost became like I I couldn't I couldn't consume the thing that I wanted to consume because I wanted to be like I want to consume it for the pod. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh shit. It's kind of come to a head where I'm like, I'm restricting the enjoyment that I would get right now from watching this this piece of content or this set of content because I want to save it for generating views generating listens you know oh, yeah. so i i think it's a i think you feel you definitely feel me on that where it's like oh this this just dropped but like i really want to watch it but like the seo wouldn't be good now right yeah yeah right yeah, yeah. and like and I, it, I, it can I, be I, tough and i don't know if you've ever experienced this but there have been a few times where like i might watch something a month or two in advance we actually it just happened to us a, a few weeks ago as of this recording um but we did a review yep. on the rebuild of Evangelion movies. JD. Oh, had... I. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. JD yeah. had just watched them within like the past month. I watched them a few months ago and I didn't on Amazon Prime. I don't have a Prime account. I have started too many trials. I wasn't able to watch them. 
And I felt like my side of the review was lacking because I didn't have all those fresh details in my head that it would be there if I literally just watched the movie. And I'm just, I'm speaking as a broad term and it's like, okay, well, either I was able to watch the movies, I wasn't. So then it's like, well, best I can do is like YouTube fucking recaps, which again, just hit the broad bases and I feel like I missed something. So it's a double-edged sword of, I don't want the podcast to rule the way I consume all my media and I don't want it to make things less fun. But I also want to be on top of my game. Like they're, we're putting our shit out there and we need to make sure that we're at least somewhat enjoyable for people to listen to. Yeah, 100%. I mean, there's, there's times where, you know, to make the scheduling easy for either me or Ethan, where he'll watch something right now that I watched three weeks ago because my schedule's a little bit tight, or he'll have a tight schedule and he said, hey, I watched like, uh, you know, I, I remember like uh, most recently Inspector was like a long time ago at this point, but he's like, I just recently watched Inspector. You want to pop that off? I will, because of the the privilege of my coding job, I can like have that on in my office while I program nice. so I can watch it all day during while I'm not in meetings. But I'll have these details fresh, all the characters, all the settings and all that stuff. And he won't like he'll just like he'll be like completely dead brain, uh, like not remembering anything. No fault to his own. And it's happened in other cases where he'll watch a show and he'll have every character name on lock, every situation on lock. And I'll be like, oh, I don't fucking remember that shit. So it's it's like hard to like you. We enjoy the content of anime so much, but it can get a little dicey to try to like consume it in a way that is like not like because we're we're playing kind of a double life right now right like we enjoy the anime experience but also we have an obligation is a bit of a strong word but i'll use it here an obligation to at least use the the viewing of that content as a secondary form of of kind of like fodder for us being able to produce the podcast that we have right so yeah. Sometimes your co-host won't have all the, the details at the top of their head because they watched it three weeks ago, but you watched it like 20 minutes ago. So you'll be spicy on it and they will have nothing on it. And you're like, whoops, like, how do we how do we do that? You know? Oh, yeah. No, I completely feel that because I, I, I'm with you. Uh, JD will watch things plenty ahead of time uh, to combat me. The, the thing we just talked about, I usually run things up right to the deadline. Uh, and that's you know <laughs> you and i both buddy yeah I like both. i was uh yep, i feel I was that. supposed to be reviewing cowboy bebop in a couple of <gasps> weeks from this recording my, fr- my first time watching it uh oh look at you god damn dude i'm so excited for you i'm excited I'm so too. excited for you to I'm, get that i'm actually is, a little sneak peek i am digging like, it so far i'm three episodes in and I, I get it i get it like like genuinely i envy you having your first viewing of that i want to be back there getting my first viewing it's just that good it's just so well done hell yeah it's beautiful it's a beautiful beautiful fucking ride it's it's what guardians of the galaxy always wished it could be okay i get that i can see that you see that right like you you have like a peter quill character in spike and you have like all, all of your side characters like you look at guardians and you're like it's almost like you're staring at guardians of the galaxy but Cowboy Bebop does every fucking character archetype in Guardians better than Guardians ever did. 
And I'm not even talking about the movies. I'm talking about the comics. Like, they just did a better flavor of every archetype in that with a more engaging, like, space mystery noir kind of vibe. So I, I am so hyped for you to get that. I will be listening to that episode when you guys drop it. If you get if if, if whenever you guys get, whenever you get around to finishing it, because, again, you are at the end of the day doing it for an episode. Yeah. Which, I, is, which is sort of the fl- kind of the flavor of the question. Right. Do you feel that by because you're having to do it? Do you feel that it is detracting from the enjoyment of viewing it right it's not for you anymore it's for everybody else a little bit like i'm i'm you know there's the part where it's like you i try i'm trying to take notes on every episode because it's an episodic show you know so i'm like all right let's see what i like and don't like that obviously i wouldn't be doing if i was watching it for just my own pure volition but i probably wouldn't have watched it at this point um you know, I'm not saying that I was ever averse to watching it, but the podcast, I guess what I'm getting at is it pushes me to, it gives that, like what I was saying earlier about the ADHD and like not wanting to start things, uh, the podcast kind of gives me that, hey fucker, you have to do this. Um, and it <laughs> hey helped. fucker. Yeah. And it helps because if I was by myself, I like that. I, JD took a couple weeks off and I learned if I was by myself, I couldn't. I couldn't do this. I couldn't hold myself to that standard. So it helps to have my best friend there to hold me to that standard. You and I both. This is why I developed this student interview concept to be able to do it without Ethan in the room. (laughs) That's that's what this was. Yeah. It's tough, man. So, yeah, I mean, while while I before starting something, I hate it. I'm like this podcast. It's fucking ruining my life. It's making me do a bunch of stuff I don't want to do. But then once I finally sit down press fucking play on an episode it it usually turns into i'm glad we're reviewing this because i don't know that i would have watched it otherwise now that is a huge thing that i don't think a lot of people understand about you know there's the there's maybe the negative side where you're like you're forced to watch stuff for the show but there's a positive where there's things you would never have watched without the context of having to review it. And they're like me getting into the rom-com, the slice of life space without this show, without the lab, without Webology, I would never in a million years have probably got into rom-com. But now that I'm in it, I'm really enjoying the genre. Like Horimiya, one of the best shows I've seen in a hot minute. Like fucking great. Dude, that's that's not even a rom-com. That's a fucking rom. That's just a rom. Like I wish it was more a, calm. Honestly, my my biggest fair, problem with Horimiya is thing. it got a little too dramatic, and I'm like, I think you got something but, else here. But it was so good. It was so good. It was so like, it, it was bare bones in the best way, right? It was just like raw, like teenage romance. Like I felt and I recognized and I remembered a lot of the feelings that a lot of these characters had in Horny Mia, where I'm like, I would never even have turned my head to watch that show unless within the context of a, like, an anime podcast got me to watch it to review it. And 
man, am I glad I watched it. So it's so good. I gotta tell you, it's, my my biggest example of I would have never watched it unless the podcast made me. That was my next question. My next yeah. question was, what is the show that you have that you would never have thought to watch, but the podcast drove you to watch it? So um, it is. It's Orimo. Uh, are you familiar with Orimo at all? I have I have heard you've heard I've so not watched if anybody's yes. not familiar Oriomo is what's called a siscon anime it is a romance between a brother and a sister okay and okay hold on do you want to do you want to give me this is a light pitcher ditch an old an old segment we used to do where me and Ethan would pitch each other shows okay and then we have to watch it and we call it a pitcher ditch would you like to give me a pitch of this show to get me to watch it? And maybe uh, I could, might come back and all right. give you a little bit of review. Um, all right. Here's my elevator pitch. Okay. Hear me out. I'm only pitching season one. Uh, you can go on to season Word. two if you like it. But season Word. one, you'll okay. get everything you need. Um, I got you. So, yeah, it is a SISCON. It is a budding romance between a brother and a sister. But <laughs> that is very... That could almost be brushed off as a a coincidence or or something it's not very heavy in the first season what is heavy in the first season and what i gravitated to was a pretty girl a popular girl in high school who is a closet otaku and is afraid to tell everybody at her school that she likes uh arrow gay or erotic visual novels which is her favorite thing <laughs> So let's go. Okay. Her, her brother, right. who she has a very, uh, very uh, combative relationship with, ends up finding out and he becomes the only person who she can confide to. Cut to her brother helps her become comfortable with her otakuness by taking her to otaku meetups and like initiating conversations with other people. Uh, she gets a group of friends. It, it's really like. It's an otaku learning how to be comfortable with being an otaku and some of the some some really good character writing, like some really enjoyable characters to the point where, okay, if you really, really have an adverse thing to some dude wanting to screw his sister in the (laughs) at least in the first season, you can you can put your blinders on and really just appreciate a. Just a nice little, a nice little slice of life about a fucking otaku girl <laughs> who likes erotic visual novels. I love the way you're pitching this, dude. There's so <laughs> many like they're already throwing in like these disclaimers, like "Hey, man, there's a lot of like sib love, like not a big deal." But dude, like, if you're down for it, take, it's a baddie show. Like, <laughs> take it as a guy who had on his podcast a month called Syscon September because his co-host was like, "You did, I, yes." We, he was. Oh, that's fucking right. JD was like, "Hey, I'm kind of interested to see what else the the genre has to offer," and he, I think, he wanted to torture me a little bit. Which is fair. Yeah, um, that that is the dynamic I get from you two for sure. One but, of you, did, one of you, <laughs> torments the other in some kind of recommendation. We try sure. not to be that way, but I do get a little enjoyment it's, out of man. Making, it's funny. It's make funny, JD man. watch a moe, it's and so it's like, funny. haha, got you. Come on, you got to do it. You got to do it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, take it from somebody who's had to see at least three or four more Ciscons. Orimo is what like it's the best. It is the least like we're gonna. Fuck my brother, Siscon. If you want that, go watch Kiss Sis. That's all I got to say. Kiss Sis. Oh no. Oh man, that is uh, what, that is you, unapologetically Siscon. 
So I got two more questions to round All this right, interview let's out. Do it. One is legitimate, but one is from what you just brought up. What is your thoughts on Oshinoko? I have not delved into Oshinoko. I've heard a lot about Mr. it. I don't know much Siscom about it. Siscom over here, I feel like you would this would this show would throw you for a loop. <gasps> Oshinoko is the same written by the same mangaka who did Kaguya uh, Love is War. Oh shit, okay. And Yes, yes, it's his, it's his next entry into the manga space. It's his new story, and I finally finished it, and it is a wild fucking ride about reincarnation and uh, Syscom. What do, you, what, do you, what do you want from me? Like, it's, it's what I, it is, right? I really do appreciate a Syscom that can be so good that people are like, honestly, dude, fuck it, I'm watching it. Like, the populace dude, can this, be like that. this... This sh- you need to watch Oshinoko. Like I think I'm gonna from what you ju- from what you it. just told me, this is your next evolution. Like this is like the next step in that genre. I'm gonna concept. have to check it. And for the record, I I'm not like I'll watch Syscon, but it's not a thing for me. <laughs> for all right? I just want to clear that out. You know, it's- I, I I feel you. I feel you. But I I think you would at least respect what's going on here because despite it being weird in its like on paper premise what syscon isn't but it it's so damn good and so well written that it like if you think about it it's like the same kind of level of like character dynamics and narrative writing that you get from akagia because it's the same fucking guy but he decided to go an like a stage further with the way he set these stories in like <laughs> reincarnation through like their 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 children and it's a whole dude it's a whole vibe oh my it's God. a whole vibe and i think for you specifically it's going to be a thing so you're telling me it's going to it's going to make me do the jobless reincarnation thing where i'm like what would you do if you were reincarnated you're not going to have sex you know what man <laughs> you know what man it actually might like it <laughs> genuinely might me and ethan here in the lab we have we have a couple long standing contentions and one of them is my love for jobless and his hatred for it because he can't get past what the show's trying to fucking say, and I feel like Oshinoko is that for you and JD. Uh, like that's I'm what it's gonna, that, that's what it's gonna be. I'll that's relay the message be. to him. It'll be a a late summer entry. I got you. I think was, I, is I it think, summer? I don't even know what season it is. I think anymore. I think it was a, a season or two ago. But I I think I need you to watch that, and then I want you to try because I know the moment you finish it, you're gonna be like. JD, I need to. We need to fucking talk about this show. Okay, like we have, we have to talk about this show. Um, but speaking of talking about shows, my last question for you as an anime pod host: What is a show that you have never covered that you specifically would like to? That maybe JD is not completely sold on, like something that you would like to have talked about in an episode up to this point that you're just hoping maybe in the future he'd be down to talk about that is a great fucking that's a question that's gonna and have to make me go to my mouth because now hold on now uh, you know i'm interviewing jd in about a week from this recording right now so i'll ask him that same question and he and these episodes are not going to go out immediately so he's not going to know your your thoughts you're not going to know his thoughts so this is going to be fun oh that's so tough because uh i've luckily jd has has taken a bullet for me and watched some shit like he's we've reviewed ava and he hates mecca you know we've re- reviewed gurren Lagan. like but, 
But Gurren Lagann's like it's it's it elevates above mech. That's we what I, I, like, I say this. It too. elevates above mech. Even I, like code <laughs> like code Geass, even Galeon, like they they elevate above mech. It's not about the mechs. It's about the people. But like we, we can put the, we can put that aside. That's a whole thing. But, you know, <laughs> um, back to the question. Yeah. What's something yeah. that you what's something that you want to talk about that JD necessarily hasn't been savvy to talk about? I would like it if JD would watch Maiden Abyss, but I I did like a solo Ooh. review on that when he and he had just had okay. to listen to me. So I guess the one that JD hasn't watched, and I know I know he wouldn't really like it, but I would like to review K on at some point on the podcast. I think that'd be fun. K on's a fun one. I think that'd be really cool. But yeah. you said he's not the biggest Moe guy. Does not like Moe. He he just he likes conflict in a story, and I cannot fucking blame him. And even me, I got tired See, of um, K on season I'm, two. Yeah, I'm I'm in his camp. I watch K on. I'm a big fan of K on, but like I do understand JD's uh, you know, his 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 stance is that I need a little bit of conflict in my story. I've talked about it recently actually on um on the Weebology podcast, we watched a show that uh, we, we actually did one that y'all should go listen to it. You know, go, you know, I know you're on a platform, go down and just search it. But we did. Can we guess the rest of three generic isek like not isekai, but three generic shows? Two of them just happen to be isekais. Um, <laughs> so we watched the right. first three episodes of all three of these shows. And then we did our best to try to predict the rest of the show based on what we saw. And because we know the tropes so well, um, we uh, we had one that was a little bit more moe. And I was like, you know what? I'd be down to to finish this because I'm, I'm a bit into it. So. Uh, but I felt that a lack of conflict in the story, what was what, what it was precluding me from finishing the show. I can understand. I totally that. feel that. Yeah, I feel that. So you think maybe JD's apprehension with Moe is because he's not just about cute girls doing cute shit for like four straight hours, and that's just done. Yeah. Right? No, that's just yeah, not his vibe. He yeah. he needs he needs more of a reason to be here other than just hey, we're just chilling, drinking tea, and eating cake, baby. That's all you need. <laughs> just eat your tea, drink your cake. Not a problem. Yeah. Easy peasy. But uh, easy. One one uh, anime that we I think I think we missed out on because JD has watched it and we we'd both love to review it. It's just finding the time to watch a sixty episode anime. We've never reviewed Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Who I'll see there. I mean, it's it's one of those things that like when you have a show that is trying to keep current, it's hard to go back to like. Of course, we've all seen FMA Brotherhood. Yeah, but like you'd have to like go rewatch it to properly talk about it and. Like when you're trying to stay current on a show about anime, it's hard to like take a beat and then like devote all your time. That's why everyone's like, oh, Professor Ricky, fucking watch like uh, One Piece and just talk about it. <laughs> Man, I, I, I got seasonals. I got shit for the show to watch. I got shit for the show to research. Like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, pu- I'm putting like five episodes a week. Like I'm at like 190 and like I'm, I'm moving, but like, uh, that's that's on my truly the free time. My other free time is watching anime to talk about for y'all that we're yep. doing every week. So what the fuck do I do with like watching? Like if if I had all the time in the world, of course I'd watch five episodes of One Piece a day. Of course I would, but I just don't. 
because you and I both know we got shit to do and we got shit to do for a show. We got a fucking so podcast it's, it's to, to run. Do. We got to go to the we store got later. To do. I got to buy food. I got to feed myself. God damn. If only I didn't have to feed myself, I'd watch all the One Piece in the world. Have you ever seen me all. without a nap? You don't want to see that. You know what? I, <laughs> I got the energy just now. I do not want to see you without a nap. Hell no, I just don't want to see need, it. You need that after you do <laughs> Saturday. No, I, I wake up early. I stay up for like three hours and then I go take a nap. <laughs> like that is Let's my fucking, that is my routine on a Saturday and it's beautiful. 1130 slotted for a fucking three hour nap. You're damn right. Not brother. a problem. You're Not a damn problem. Right. But you know what? That has been an interview. Earthworm, thank you so much for coming on to this student's interview. Is there anything you would like to plug about your podcast or anything else you're doing? I mean, I got a podcast. It's called the Anime Brothers Podcast. You can find it wherever <laughs> you're listening to the Weebology podcast. Funny thing about podcast platforms is they usually have all the podcasts. And pro tip, we're podcast, all here together. If you're a podcaster yeah, out together. there and you're not on the podcasting platforms, you're doing it wrong. So, yeah. You have not figured out the, the base level of the game. And we <laughs> no. can help you with that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, check us out, man. Uh, new episode every week, except I'm not sure when this is dropping, but we are taking a vacation, kind of. But, but speaking of One Piece, uh, my co-host JD is reading One Piece, and he's like 600 chapters that's in. He right. just got to Dressarosa. I think that's what it's called. Um, Whoa! I remember when we did we uh, on the same couch. We uh did uh, I think you, me, and JD did something on your channel of the best side characters that deserve. Yeah, their own yeah, story. that wasn't too long ago. Yeah, that was a fun episode. Go listen to that on the Anime Bros podcast. But if you like everything we're talking about here, you can come into the Patreon. You can come into the Discord and get access to both earthworm jd and all of our past guests and the lovely patreon folk by going to patreon.com slash sleepology one dollar and up a month just a dollar a month gets you into that discord with all of the lovely people we had just mentioned just now and three dollars and up gets you the syllabus sidebar our lo-fi high vibes sometimes anime sometimes not almost always on hiatus but sometimes visual show where we talk about life and things that don't quite fit into the buckets that we do have on this platform speaking of platforms we're in the peaceful rick era i'm no longer mad at you guys i know you're on a platform i'm not going to yell at you about it but you go over and down and it's over 220 hours of anime content and then if you go even further over you got all of the anime bros podcast content to access yourself what that's a double feature that's a double header you got it Earthworm notes. That's a lot. It. That's a lot of well. hours of anime discussion. It's a lot of hours. That's don't, a lot of hours of anime discussion. I won't speak for Ricky, but don't listen to like anything before episode like twenty. It sounded bad, but that's me. oh, dude. <laughs> we, we are you. You listen to our episode one. We sound like Garbo. Like now, we sound absolutely top tier, banging. But before, we were nothing but bronze. It Two USB mics trash. and one laptop. Don't do that. You also, know it. Another absolutely. Pro tip. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking know it. Um. Yes, if you want to touch a little bit of our merch or at least peruse it, or you want to get our content tree to go uh, message or say hi or email us, webology.com. You get the content tree, the link tree there, and you get our store where we have all of our lovely merch that I know people have bought because we have pictures in our Discord of people buying it. So that's happening over there. And I think that is it. Oh, also, we have got the vidcast back up because Ethan has restored that pipeline which is awesome. So now we are posting our audio and visual stuff on YouTube. 
but uh, not today. I'm in a dark. I'm in a dark part of the lab right now. I don't have Hell a camera yeah. on me right now. He's brooding, yeah, I mean, everyone. He's oh, dude, dude, this is dark, Prof Rick, right now. That's what's going on. But I can talk to uh, talk to Earthworm in the dark because that's just like where we live, you know, down in the dirt. Exactly. Easy. See, someone yeah, gets it, man. From- I do. I do get it. But until we can chill in the dirt once again, I'm Ricky. That was Earthworm, and this has been Ebology. Deuces. Deuces. Yeah.